0: to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 288. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Holy crap, people. Can you believe it is September 2021? At least if you're listening to this when it comes out. We are rapidly heading towards the end of the second year of a pandemic. Now... Not the second year that there's... Not the second anniversary of the pandemic. The pandemic, I don't think, was actually declared until, what, February or March 2020. So it hasn't been two years since then, but it is almost the end of the second calendar year in which we have been living in a pandemic. So I I hope that you all are continuing to do what you need to do to stay safe and to keep those around you safe and to... I mean, who are we kidding? There's still going to be a pandemic of some pandemic of some sort going on in 2022, but one can hope by September of 2022, when I'm presenting to you episode number, I don't know, 907, that I don't even think to mention it because it it is in the far enough distant past that I feel more compelled to say something about, uh, um, I don't know, the weather or the pizza I just had, or boobies, uh, yeah, I don't know, whatever's on my mind that day when I record. So, in summary, my wish for the future, less pandemic, more boobies. Alright, moving on. I'm in a little bit of a mood today as I'm recording. I will try not to let that affect the show. I am not frustrated with this episode's game as a game. Space Shuttle, by the way, is what we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. I am frustrated with my reaction to it. But we'll get there in a few minutes. Got a little bit of feedback to deal with before we move on to this week's game. Patreon supporter Michael Tyler, hi Michael, commented regarding Smurfs, Rescue in Dardamell's Castle, the last episode's game. I still want to say last week's game. I'm still not in my own head used to the change in schedule to bi-weekly. Michael wrote, my middle school students oh, I didn't realize you were a middle school teacher. That's cool. I'd be curious to know how you're school is dealing with the pandemic and masks and all that. But he's not talking about that here. Uh, Instead, he wrote, My middle school students used to call me Ratman and Dardamel." Wow. I hope you sent all of them to the principal's office to uh, be soundly caned after uh, pounding all of the erasers. They still do that in school, right? Pounding the erasers and caning students? I don't know. I'm old. It's been a while since I was in school. Michael continues, Sigh. One student even posted a video of me walking across the high school gym floor, claiming I was a real-life gargamel on his YouTube channel. Dang, Michael. He continues uh, parenthetically, Actually, he was a good student and asked me uh, if he could post the video. Uh, End parenthetical. Sorry about going off on a tangent. I remember playing this in elementary school when the Smurfs was probably the biggest cartoon on Saturday mornings. Thanks for the comment, uh, Michael. I'm starting to get a a sense of maybe why you're not a middle school teacher anymore. But, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, and Saturday morning cartoons were still a thing, which I kind of miss, there was a stretch in there in the 80s when it was all about the Smurfs, which frustrated me a little because I was just starting to get old enough where I was more interested in sleeping in Saturday morning than in getting up to watch cartoons, but I was still kind of doing the cartoon thing. And, really, what I wanted were, like, Looney Tunes. And, I mean, yeah, I did watch the... uh, the various Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Saturday morning things. And yeah, I guess if I'm being honest, I did watch the uh, brief run of the Happy Days and the and Shirley Saturday morning cartoons. But I watched the Smurfs. I had a f- couple of the toys I talked about that last episode. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have much choice because the Smurfs, that was the thing on Saturday morning. You know, I, I'm sorry that your students were uh, so hard on you, Michael, but on the other hand... Uh, you know points to kids today for knowing who gargamel is that's pretty uh, pop culturally impressive so uh, thanks again Michael uh, I hope that whatever you're doing now is a bit more kind to your psyche ratman in other feedback Carl Mead Atari bites listener in New Zealand hi Carl, sent me a picture of a t-shirt that he saw that he thought would be perfect for me or more specifically me and the Jason Says Stuff guy. The t-shirt has Statler and Waldorf on it. And it says, haters gonna hate. And his note was, found a t-shirt for you for you two. Wow. Cheers, Carl Mead. Well, thank you for that, Carl. I think we have, uh, Jason and I a a a, a playfully combative relationship. I guess we're kind of Muppet-like. And I realize now, having said that, just feeds into Jason's obsession with turning Atari Bites into a puppet show. So I'm gonna quickly leave that there. We will have a Jason says stuff segment here in a second, but he did also throw in a comment on the Patreon about Smurfs. He wrote, "Oh my, you almost said Smurf this. That is some strong language. That's how the Smurfs talk, right? We're gonna Smurf this Smurf and Smurf, and you know Smurf you, and oh God, pound my Smurf. You know whatever. Uh, so yeah, so I was just adopting the language of my topic." For the last episode I think you're making a subtle dig At how I, I keep it pretty PG On the podcast That was a choice I made when I started the podcast I suspect that For the most part it is, We're all adults here But when I started the podcast I had the thought in my mind that some of you guys out there Might be dads or older brothers or something And have uh, younger ones Listening with you And I just made the choice not to uh, Not to go blue as it were Blue, see, like blue smurfs Uh, So I just don't Be hanging out with me for a while In real life, you probably know that uh, I'm putting on a show But at any rate uh, Smurf This is about as naughty as the language is going to get on the podcast Does Jason have other complaints? Well, I wonder
1: Question What does Jason say? He says stuff What does Jason say? Lots of stuff or, does Jason or maybe a little stop. Does Jason he Jason says the Dory exclusive.
0: He did offer some additional thoughts about the Smurfs episode, like a bolt of lightning from Odin's hammer. The episode regarding the Smurfs was amazing. It's been rumored that the Biter's are so excited to be alive and enjoy the greatest podcast in the known universe. I think the majority of this, of this enthusiasm is for two major reasons. The introduction of Retron 77. Seriously, man, do you have stock or something? Which has caused massive mega doses of joy since since it attaches to modern TVs and plays cartridges and games directly from an SD card. And of course, Jason Says Stuff has been like a gift from heaven itself. My one complaint, well, we can always count on you for the complaints, Jason, is, wait for it, the continued lack of puppets. This is beyond my reasoning. The puppets are the next natural step for the show. Yes, that would be an awesome move for an audio podcast to introduce puppetry. Uh, Jason was also very excited that I picked Space Shuttle for this episode. I've already kind of hinted that maybe I'm less excited. So I feel a little bad for you, Jason, because I I suspect that my take on this game later in the episode is not going to live up to your excitement. His response basically was, hell yes, great choice when I said that I was playing this game on this episode. In reference to, I think, still talking about the Smurfs episode, Jason went on to say, Thank you for another amazing podcast, pure radio gold, except you playing even more of that crap bola that the entire world shuns like the monstrosity that it is. Doo-wop!
1: Rolling down the alley with pretty playful
0: Sally roll down the alley, bowling Sally at me how can you in good conscience play the immortal Sergeant Pepper in such a ludicrous rendition? Doo-wop is literally crap processed into an audio signal. It's less appealing than a gassy dog flatulating into a large PA system microphone. The world died a little when that music was invented, and an angel falls from the sky every time William Pepper his attention to this mockery of real music. I was happy the retron was the victor in last week's story. And here we go. Space Shuttle. By Jason Edward Sesduff Schiffman. The skies were painted beautiful pastel blue. The clouds were so perfect that they seemed fake as they beautifully enshrined the orange sun. The wind whipped wildly against the sandy hills of the Arizona desert launch site. The crowd was gathered in their observation area as military and civilian vehicles traveled across the tarmac. The newest shuttle, the Intrepid, is ready for its maiden launch on on this historic day of September 12, 2023. The sudden rumble of the booster rocket sends shockwaves for miles as the team prepared for launch. After a few delays, the countdown begins. 10, 9, 8. The crew are excited, but nervous. The shuttle suddenly disappears. It didn't just fly away, but the booster rocket is still on the launch pad. The shuttle and its crew just disappeared. 7. Wait, halt the sequence, screams someone in mission, in mission control. I don't have eyes on the Intrepid. The countdown stops, its sheer bedlam, as everyone scrambles about trying to make sense of what they just witnessed. The shuttle reappears a few minutes later, but is facing the opposite direction compared to where it was just just minutes earlier. Every insignia on the ship was also backwards, and the panels across the shuttle seemed to be configured differently. The crew responded to the radio, but they were screaming in what sounds like a backward version of the English language. A moment later, the windshield of the shuttle explodes and the mutilated remains of the crew dripped to the launch pad in in a slimy mix of blood, flesh, and entrails. The gelatinous ooze bubbled and steamed as it sloshed all over the floor tiles beneath the inverted shuttle. Back in prehistoric times, the crew of Intrepid find themselves walking amongst the earliest human ancestors. They are heralded by the tribal chiefs as gods and treated as such. Their ship has long vanished. The moment the countdown reached eight, they were suddenly standing in this primitive village. Realizing these primitives were potentially dangerous, their crew decided to play along with their bizarre new career as local deities. Back in 2023, moments after the strange incident with the shuttle launch, a museum on the other side of the world watched as a a rare ancient cave painting began to steam and pulsate. Fluorescent bulbs shattered and windows all around the museum violently imploded. Moments later, a strange likeness of the missing astronauts mysteriously appeared in the cave painting. No one remembers them not being there. Wow, that's sort of a dark story there, Jason, but we've come to expect that. I am curious... Maybe it's just me missing something. Why the shuttle returning, everything is backwards, including their speech. Is it because we're seeing them from inside the painting? I, uh, I'm confused, Jason. It's probably just me. But if you could elucidate uh, on this story. It's the first time I've asked you to do that. I'm just not seeing it. But like I said, I'm in kind of a mood today. So maybe maybe it's just my, the limitations of my uh, dopey podcaster brain. Thank you, as always, Jason. And now we know.
1: Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason says stuff in the Dory Bites exclusive!
0: Alright, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Space Shuttle. A Journey into Space from Activision, 1983. We love us some Activision, and this one was designed by one of the greats, Steve Kitchen. Alright, so here's how we're going to handle this. Usually I'm pretty thorough with the uh, recitation of the directions for how to play this game, but the manual for this one, I kid you not, is 32 pages long. Plus an overlay to put on the uh, game console, which I did not do, uh, because I don't... I don't actually have the overlay Uh, it's pretty easy to find on the internets which i did but maybe it's just me But for some reason i couldn't get the printer which on a good day doesn't like to connect to my computer anyway but when i did i couldn't get it to print out life-size as it were and uh it 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 printed out but it's really tiny and my eyes are old and i'm cranky so i can't quite read it so i didn't use that but it, it if ideally you would lay that over the buttons the levers, switches, whatever, on the console, and they would do various things um, in the course of the game, like control your primary and backup engines, control the power, the cargo doors, landing gear, show you various statuses on screen, stuff like that. All of that is in the manual as well, and you can refer to it there. The manual itself, uh, the cover doesn't have all the, you know, space shuttle, a journey into space by Activision stuff on it. It just says flight manual, and it has a picture of space shuttle discovery, I'm guessing, uh, on the launch pad at, I suppose, Edwards Air Force Base. Well, that's where they land, I guess. Do they take off from there as well? Uh, I don't know. We're told uh, right off the bat in the manual that the term, the terminology in this instruction manual corresponds to that of the flight deck console overlay provided. The overlay should be used when operating space shuttle. However, if the overlay cannot be used with your particular game system. The following list should be used as a guide. The power switch controls your internal power, the color black and white switch for your primary engines, Left difficulty switch for backup engine, right difficulty for cargo doors slash landing gear, game select uh, operates the status, various computer readouts on screen basically, and the game reset button activates the countdown. If the color black and white switch, uh, primary engine switch on your game console is inaccessible, the left difficulty switch, backup engines, should be used. Also, on the Atari 2800 and Sears Video RK2, put the color black and white switch in the black and white mode, then use the left difficulty switch. Otherwise, shut down backup engines, left difficulty, and do not touch. Uh, if you don't already have this idea in mind, you can, you should be already be sensing that this is a really complicated game. There are sections in this manual called Flight Preparations, Launch, Stabilizing Orbit, Docking, Deorbit Burn, Reentry, Landing, Orbital Mechanics, Orbital Maneuvering System, Problems and Solutions, Earning Your Wings, Flight Notes from Steve Kitchen, Acronyms, Stat Messages, Glossary, and Orbiter Exterior. There's a notation in the manual that the game, Space Shuttle, is dedicated to the men and women of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA without whose kind assistance this cartridge would not have been possible. It is the 101st Shuttle Mission of the Space Transportation System. You are at the helm of the Space Shuttle Discovery. Approximately 210 nautical miles above the Earth is your target, an orbiting satellite with intentionally programmed gyroscope problems. Your mission is to launch, rendezvous, and dock with the satellite as many times as you can, using the minimum of fuel, then return safely to Earth. A word of caution, each time you successfully dock... The satellite has been programmed to become even more erratic. This is a total test of your piloting capabilities. You will be evaluated at the end of your flight. You do an equipment check to start with. Those are the very switches that I described to you earlier. There are three separate flight modes. Spend time with the training flights one and two and before taking on all the challenge of a real unassisted shuttle mission flight number three. Flight mode can only be selected before countdown is activated. Flight number one is an auto simulator a combination demonstration flight and auto simulator. The shuttle flies an abbreviated mission, you don't use any of the console controls. In this flight mode, most aborts are ignored. Whenever you touch your joystick, (laughs) you take control from that point on. However, you only need to use your joystick controller to correct your y-axis and land. Flight number two is a simulator. Uh, We're told that astronauts spend thousands of hours practicing in ground-based simulators before flying an actual shuttle mission. And in this mode you experience the challenging demands of a real mission with a couple of important exceptions you don't use any fuel so you can take as long as you want and your onboard computers will greatly assist you during flight by compensating for less than perfect piloting skills most aborts are overridden but your flight indicator stat message will alert you when you've aired flight number three is a full-fledged shuttle flight all aborts are operative and flight controls conditions are quite realistic if critical problems occur during a flight, you may receive a launch scrub or mission abort signal. If this happens, your flight is ended. You must check your status to find out what rent went wrong. If you safely land your shuttle at Edwards Air Force Base in flight number three, your performance will be computer evaluated. Your ranking will be determined by the number of successful dockings and the exact number of fuel units you have remaining at the end of your flight. And then they start getting into all this stuff about how Uh, launch checklists and thrust and hold down bolts and trajectories and horns and separation, the launch sequence, which is a whole page, maneuvering in space, shuttle speed, S-curves, earth rotation, burn maneuvers, yaw being the left-right rotation of the nose of the craft, satellite interference, re-entry stages, launch problems, the axis, the altitude, the flight, the mission elapsed time, the main engine cutoffs—these are all the various acronyms that appear on screen. Mach uh, speed, the the uh, glossary for it has terms like it, a, it has terms in it like apogee, the highest point of an Earth orbit, altitude, axis, deorbit burn, glide scope. There's a uh, diagram of the outside of the space shuttle. A lot of work went into putting in putting this manual together and I didn't read most of it. Here's where I confess that I may have made a mistake choosing Space Shuttle for this week's episode. Not because it's a bad game. It's not a bad game at all, but it's not a game for me. I have never been a fan of flight simulators and that kind of thing, where you have to do all these minute little uh, adjustments, and you have to know about uh, thrust and yaw, and there are 14 different readouts on the screen, I am, confession time, in real life, I'm not the greatest navigator in the world, frankly, and that uh, carries over into video games. I like particularly Atari games. Modern games, I am happy to immerse myself in a world and wander around and do whatever, uh, you know, fill my inventories and collect the uh, the weapons and the, the torches and whatever. But in, in classic Atari games, what I really want is like Berserk, or Yars' Revenge, or Pac-Man, or Pitfall—simple uh, objectives uh, and simple maneuvers. Space Shuttle isn't that, um, so this is not a game for me. A lot of you listening—you're all over uh, listening to this—are all over that sort of thing, and that's awesome. But it's not for me, so I—I uh, I got a little frustrated reading this manual because I just really wanted to get to the game. But I'm just one person. What did other people think of this game? Uh, And what did I think of the game when I actually played it? Well, let's listen to this first. I'm
1: not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though... I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons, growing up, and every episode a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K, podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way.
0: The game, as I mentioned, was designed by Steve Kitchen, one of the first realistic spacecraft simulations available for home systems. Adapted to the Atari 8 bit family and Atari 5200 by Bob Henderson, then ported to the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64, the Amstrad CPC, and MSX. The 1984 Activision software catalog also mentions an Apple II version. I remember the Apple II. That was such a nice little computer. In an April 1984 review for Video Games Magazine, Dan Persons wrote Space Shuttle is not a game for everybody. Word, Dan Persons, word. It requires a considerable amount of patience, yeah, that's not me, and perhaps, not too surprisingly, a considerable amount of brain power. Well, we could debate that, whether that's me or not. 8-Bit Central opens its review this way, have you ever encountered something very tactically marvelous yet weren't sure what to do with it? That's how I feel about Activision's Space Shuttle, A Journey into Space. It's a remarkable simulation that takes you on a mission aboard a space shuttle and it's far from the average flight simulator, big step up from most Atari 2600 games but for all its sophistication, it lacks a real game element. It's exceedingly cool, but the facets that give it wow factor, wow factor don't translate into a similar desire to play it. Uh, they compare it to Star Master, because uh, that game also makes use of many of the 2600 switches on the console, uh, not just the joystick and fire button. Ultimately, they conclude that the uh, game is a technical marvel for the Atari 2600, yet as detailed as it is, the gameplay doesn't really grab you. I recommend getting this game on a cartridge because a ROM file won't do justice to the flight deck console and everyone should experience such an advanced game in true form. Just don't expect the fun meter to be pegged. Atari Proto says that unfortunately Space Shuttle may be a little too complex for its own good. They note that Steve Kitchen wanted to simulate a Space Shuttle as realistically as possible and even went to uh, NASA to use a real Space Shuttle simulator as research. I'm sure there were some people out there who'd been waiting all their lives for a simulation game like this to hit the 2600. Unfortunately, most 2600 players wanted action, not simulation, and opted for games like Star Raiders and Star Master instead. It's no surprise that Steve Kitchen and others were craving a space shuttle game in the 80s. The space shuttle program was huge in the 80s, of course. According to uh, the NASA website, The first launch of a space shuttle was April 12, 1981, the final landing, July 21, 2011. Columbia, Challenger, Discovery, Atlantis, and Endeavour flew 135 missions, helped construct the International Space Station, and inspired generations. The shuttles carried people into orbit repeatedly, launched, recovered, and repaired satellites, conducted cutting-edge research, and built the largest structure in space, the International Space Station. It was the first reusable spacecraft, and pushed the bounds of Discovery even further, requiring not only advanced technology but the tremendous effort of a vast workforce. On April 12, 2011, NASA Administrator Charles Bolden announced the facilities where four shuttle orbiters will be displayed permanently at the conclusion of the space shuttle program. If anyone's been there uh, to look at these, let me know. I think I was somewhere, might have been the Smithsonian uh, many years ago, where I saw uh, the moon Lander, I think, but I don't think I've seen a space shuttle. Discovery, which I think is the model for the game, for the shuttle in this game, flew its first mission. Uh, it was the third of the five fully operational orbiters, and its mission, uh, f- the first one, flew from August 30th to September 5th, 1984. Over 27 years of service, it launched and landed 39 times, adding more sp- space flights than any other spacecraft to date, according to uh, Wikipedia. The space shuttle launch vehicle has three main components, the orbiter a single-use central fuel tank, and two reusable solid solid rocket boosters. Nearly 25,000 heat-resistant tiles cover the orbiter to protect it from high temperatures on re-entry. Its final mission was February 24, 2011, touching down for the last time at Kennedy Space Center on March 9. It's now on display at the Stephen F. Udvar-Hazy Center of the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. That was 2011 was after I was there space shuttles launch like a rocket and return to Earth like a glider landing like an airplane on a long concrete runway designed to carry large payloads, such as satellites, into orbit and bring them back if necessary for repairs. That's basically the plot of the game, right? You're going to the satellite and back. I don't know that you're actually launching a satellite, but that's where you're going. Test flights were done with the shuttle Enterprise, which I'm guessing has to be a nod to Star Trek. Its largest contribution was building the International Space Station, which, re- which remains in orbit today, and I have to assume is populated entirely by space aliens. The original vision of the space shuttle, which grew out of the 1950s X-15 program, uh, the original vision was to develop a vehicle that would launch into space very frequently, several times a month, to deploy and repair satellites as required. The military was an active participant in the development, uh, because of course it was, and the shuttle's payload bay, which carried equipment and satellites into space, was enlarged in the design phase to accommodate larger military satellites. The space shuttle flew 11 times to the Russian space station Mir between 1994 and 98, with seven American astronauts doing extended stays on the space station, the first major in-space cooperation between Russia and the United States since the Apollo-Soyuz mission of 1975, when Americans and cosmonauts from the Soviet Union docked for a few brief days in space. I believe in the game you touch down at Edwards Air Force Base, which is a, an Air Force installation in California, which sits mostly in Kern County, but its eastern end is in San Bernardino County, and its southern arm is in Los Angeles County. The hub of the base is Edwards, California, and it's named after World War II United States Air Force veteran and test pilot Captain Glenn Edwards in 1950. Prior to then, the facility was named Muroc Air Force Base. It is home of the Air Force Test Center, Air Force Test Pilot School, and NASA's Armstrong Flight Research Center. It is the Air Force Material Command Center for conducting and supporting research and development of flight, as well as testing and re- evaluating aerospace systems from concept to combat. Notable occurrences at Edwards include Je- Chuck Yeager's flight that broke the sound barrier, test flights of the North American X 15, the first landings of the Space Shuttle, and the 1986 around the world flight of the Rutan Voyager. Alright, well, we are parked here at Edwards Air Force ready, after the break, to BLAST OFF! So, here's the thing. We're playing Space Shuttle on this episode and I will preface this field report by saying I got bored preparing for this field report because I am not the audience for this game Uh, I would be just as happy looking at this static that you're seeing on the screen uh, as I would be looking at this game but we'll get into that in a minute here we go gratuitous headshot of me possibly alright so we have your main controls this is flight number one SCS-101. What? SCS-101. Yes. What I was referring to, Henry, in the manual, they call this flight number one, because it is basically a flight simulator. The computer does everything for you, uh, unless you take the joystick, and you can adjust the Y axis. And that's about it. I've chosen to do this one, because, frankly, that's all the farther I've gotten. It will show you basically what the game does, and you can get the idea from that. So, in this one, it's really just. If I can get it started, come on. There we go. There we go. That's the countdown tone for launch. Um, what you see on the screen, of course, you see out your windows there. Some clouds going by. We have launched those two horizontal bars. C is for computer. It tells you how much thrust you should be using. T is for thrust. That's how much thrust you are actually using. Altitude, below that. Uh, yeah. Uh, although in this first flight, you don't use a lot of the controls so it's mostly just a simulator all we're going to be doing is we go up into space we wave at the satellite and we come back Um, the uh, later flights are more complicated and there are more controls Uh, I haven't gotten to those because uh, as I said uh, all the stuff about y-axis and z-axis and x-axis and you have to toggle this way or that way uh, all of that's kind of lost on me what? a lot of people probably not for you it's probably not that hard a lot of people get into it a lot of people listening probably get into it uh, I'm not knocking it it's, just, it's not for me uh, I get uh, I get bored reading all that stuff So um, I'm showing you the field report so that you can see how this works basically it looks very cool um, I don't know how much you can hear me So, I don't know how much you heard what I said, alright, we're in space now, there's the satellite. In the other missions, you have to dock with the satellite, and there's all sorts of complicated controls for that, opening cargo doors and whatnot, and then you have to go back to Earth. If I take the uh, joystick here, I can monkey around with the Y axis. In this flight, they do not. In later flights, they do.
1: Right, and the green,
0: the green box. Mhm. The green box, which is a flashing light in the green box. Uh-huh. That's where you wanna. If you go back, it thinks that's where you wanna be. Yeah. With the box, like the white box. Yeah. You be. They want the green to be in the white box? Right. This game is a whole lot of what you're seeing right now. Little minor adjustments to do this and that without actually much happening on screen. Uh, and that's all cool. Um, but it's not really for me. I'm I'm an old school. Atari guy who likes games like Berserk and Pac Man and Pitfall and things, which are simple and you get immediate results. But, like I said, this does look kind of cool. Yeah, that's all. This first mission is a very simple, abbreviated mission. The other ones are longer, more complicated. We're headed back to Earth now. You can see what it looks like to land at Edwards Air Force Base. All very cool. Uh, I like the look of it. It just the the gameplay doesn't excite me a whole lot, I and mean that's but that's just personally me. That's not a knock on the game. We are I re-entering. Need the yep. I might need to put in the flash yeah, no kidding. Those of you who are listening to this, our our window is filled up with flashing red light as we're uh, as we're entering Earth's atmosphere. The sounds are good. The warning chimes are good. The the thrust of the engines that you're taking off that's all good oh you don't bring fuel left in the engine probably not you used used up your or or, deorber you used up the fuel in the engine for deorbering yeah no it's fuel for the main engines you right um um take off like
1: you um detach the tank
0: It's becoming clear. I should have let Henry do this field report because he already knows more about this game than I do. Uh, I think the window. Oh, here we go. No, not yet. Uh, Hi. There's the uh, landing strip right there. This is me. I just did the moving of the uh, shuttle to be more centered with the landing strip. We're down, I think. Yeah. We want to Yay! We lived. There we are. It's a lovely desert scene. Uh, uh, the windows look like a um, something from a VR headset. Yeah. They kind of do. I think you're supposed to feel like you're actually in the shuttle looking out. And that's all good. All works for me. Um, I'll talk more about it later. What do you think? You played this game a little bit before. Is this a game that after I stopped complaining about it you would play? No? No? Why not? You don't think you'd play this? No. Okay. Well If you choose to, it's here, and if anyone listening chooses to play it and tell me what you think of it, please do. In the meantime, back to you in the studio.
1: Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart-by-Cart Podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com.
0: Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock-full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in love, twisted car races, and the aforementioned devilish breakfast food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a Dakota ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, in words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Space Shuttle, a journey into space. I appreciate this game. I really do. Do not write to me to tell me that I'm wrong to hate this game, because I don't hate this game. I was just not... perhaps it was just today. I was not in a mood to play this really... Technically complex game that really has no game to it. Maybe that's not accurate. The reviewers kind of painted it as a game that has no game. It kind of does, I guess. The field report was really just the first level simulator, simple mission fly up to the satellite and back. The other games are more complicated, have more controls, have more things that you have to do yourself. But it's all this technical yaw and pitch and stuff like that that I frankly don't care about Uh, it's not the stuff i want to do in a game an atari game anyway so i was disappointed uh in the game maybe today just wasn't the day to play it I i don't know but i appreciate the look of the game i appreciate all of the tons of work that went into making this game especially with the limitations of the 2600 and the manual is really impressive so hats off to you steve kitchen for uh, pulling off a technical marvel Uh, i'm just not the audience for it that's not your fault not anyone's fault but my own Uh, i probably should have picked a different game if you guys have thoughts about space shuttle send them to me i would be happy to read them if you have thoughts about me being uh what's the word i want an idiot for not liking this game not for appreciating the game but not enjoying playing the game go ahead and send those too we're all friends here It's
1: story time On the Bites. Yes, it's story Story, story, story time
0: With Bill This week's story is titled Rich White Guys Conquer the Martians Madam President, the Defense Secretary began nervously We've offered them everything, he gestured futilely They won't budge Secretary of State Tallman said, a shaky hand sloppily adding a generous pour of brown liquor into a coffee cup. Technology, medicine, natural resources. We even offered an alliance with them against God knows what else is out there. They just stare at us with those cold, dead eyes. It's like nothing we have is good enough. They're just waiting, biding their time until... He trailed off, unable to finish the last sentence. Damn Martians. President Collier muttered. Then louder, she said, Jack, is there any chance we could take them in a fight? The defense secretary laughed ruefully. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff snagged the bottle from the Secretary of State and pounded back three shots without batting a bloodshot eye. Miguel, the president said, addressing the head of NASA, do we have a vehicle capable of delivering an explosive device into the Martian homeworld? Miguel looked at each of his colleagues before answering. He had the look of a man who hated to deliver bad news. We're effed, Madam President, he said, revealing he was actually pretty good at delivering bad news. The aliens smacked down our surveillance drones, and NASA farmed out manned spaceflight to the private sector years ago. The President thought for a moment. For generations, big business has been telling us free market corporations will save us. Well, let's let them prove it. She turned to her Vice President. Ruth, she said... What about David and his cronies? Vice President Ruth Danvers sat up a little straighter. Ma'am, you ran on a platform of not sucking up to rich white guys. Asking for their help now feels a lot like sucking up to rich white guys. We always say everyone should do their share, right? The president countered. Here's their share. What can they do? The defense secretary groaned. All those rich white guys care about is mergers and acquisitions. Except when it means staying with spouses who they like to divorce with great pomp and ceremony. You forgot covering up various sex-related scandals, General Ticonderoga added before downing another shot. All we're seeking is to not be acquired by the Martians, right? Seems like folks who know acquisitions are the perfect ones to step up, President Collier said. Besides, those rich guys ran out of things to buy a long time ago. They got bored and built their own rockets like the rich guy equivalent of 10-year-olds building model rockets in their basements with no friends. They're probably just itching to fire them up. We let them make the trip up to the Martian HQ, and we'll save a bundle o- on what it costs to send your crew to space. We'll save a bundle over what it costs to send your, cr- your crew to space, right, General? General Ticonderoga just belched. Alicia, the vice president said slowly, please reconsider. White guys are a dicey proposition on a good day, but rich white guys during an interstellar invasion? Before they're through, they might have sold off our entire military apparatus. It'll be fine. You know, David, um, very well, don't you, Ruth? This will work, the president said. Make the call. Remarkably, within two days, a sleek but expensive rocket, courtesy of private industry, was winging its way toward Mars. Aboard the rocket, ready to conquer the Red Planet, or at least save Earth's face, in such a manner they can run self-aggrandizing ads about it, were three rich white dudes. Each sported perfect teeth and spectacularly tiny penises, as evidenced by the flight suit and harness constraints each wore, not by the reality of being obscenely rich white guys in a homemade rocket. David was an aggressively mustached leader in the tech world, Ben was a bald baron of finance. Curtis was the baby-faced smooth talker who got rich selling people things they don't need for prices they should never pay. His Wang Doodler line of kitchen gadgets alone generated enough revenue to sustain many small countries. Curtis's personal Wang Doodler, however, sustained several paternity suits. Oh, there was also a shuttle pilot, navigator, and a mission commander who did the actual job of shuttling these rich white guys but when the story of this historical event is written, you won't hear about them. I'm telling you, Wang Doodler kitchen utensils with Bluetooth capability could be huge. David insisted as Curtis studied a map of the red planet, planet as if he knew what he was looking at. Whisking up an alfredo, uh, Whisking up an alfredo sauce and suddenly run out of heavy cream? Your whisk will order it for you, David said. Everybody needs this technology. I don't do pasta, Curtis said. I'm off carbs. Ben stared out the starboard window. Beautiful, isn't it, he said. I wonder what people would pay for a trip like this. Using proprietary technology, the rich white dudes made the trip in a matter of hours. Their mission commander, Jennifer Kyle, a decorated military officer of Pakistani descent, once saved her brother from drowning, married to a a life-saving thoracic surgeon, and mother to two future Nobel Prize winners, but you'll never hear any of that, informed the rich white guys they were about to land on Mars. The rocket touched down as the automated musical fanfare and light show activated. Ben, Curtis, and David disembarked in their spacesuits, Wang Doodler at the ready, the first humans to set foot on an alien planet. Someone should say something. People of Mars, David began, grinning at the Martian welcoming party encircling them. Behind him, Ben whispered to Curtis, That's the Wang Doodler with the explosive, right? He gestured to the combination cheese grater and 3D printer in Curtis's hand. No, Curtis said, the board of directors vetoed that, said it didn't fit with our brand. Ben's plastic surgery crumpled in a rictus of fear. People of Mars, David began again, as if he'd been waiting for a non-existent thunder of applause to die down. We stand on the precipice of a new age, a new age of friendship and cooperation. The Martians stared blankly at the CEO. A new age of mutually beneficial commerce, David continued. More blank stares. There is much the Martians can offer the humans, David said, and much the humans can offer to you at reasonable exchange rates. And we, David gestured to his fellow wealthy businessmen, and we, much as we have on earth, will bring a glorious future to you all, a future full of the things that make your lives better. Curtis, show them your Wang Doodler. Curtis held up the cheese grater 3D printer. The three men were instantly incinerated by the Martian warriors. Earth followed soon thereafter. On the upside, Martian corporations picked up the patented Wang Doodler technology for a song. The same song that melted the brains of Earth's citizenry as it was beamed out to every TV, cell phone, radio, and earbud on the planet. Space. The final frontier. Book your first-class reservation now. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and CompTech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme and the Jason Says Stuff theme. Blast on over to Apple Podcasts and count down the ways you love this podcast in a five-star review. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Don't forget you can call us too, leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about pretty much any damn thing you want, and probably I'll play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, for all sorts of stuff related to this podcast, Atari Bites, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You will also find their information about books that I've written, like Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, and links to a few of the places that you can buy some of those books if you're so inclined. Also, consider supporting the show by going over to our Patreon page. That's the Atari Bytes page on patreon.com where subscribers get bonus stuff. And they also get to hang out with these fine people in a manner of speaking. The hangout part, not the fine part. They are fine um, regardless of whether you hang out with them or not. And you can hang out with them in sort of a Uh, Virtual way There, I have beaten that into the ground So let's just thank our Patreon supporters Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L. Jason Schiffman, Mark Super, and Jim Goebel I appreciate them one and all All Alright, we're about out of here uh, Which is good, because I'm very tired and cranky And it's time to be done So, next time on Atari Bytes We're playing a game called Minds of Minos Or Minos I'm not sure how you say it. I will research that before the next episode. Possibly. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.